Okay. <clears throat> It's Wednesday, so it's time for the front three with me, Adam Bowood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. That's me. And Dave O'Brien. That's me. It is indeed. What a night, guys, in the Premier League. 23 goals, two red cards, one hat-trick and one thriller at Anfield, Lawrence. Mm. Um, the art of defending uh, may be absent in the game, but very entertaining free all draw nonetheless. Yeah, I still feel like entertaining is slightly... Um, it, I appreciate good defending, so I and I'm entertained by it. So I find yes. it less entertaining when Liverpool go one nil up and then let Arsenal back in the game, and then they go two one up and then they let Arsenal back in the game. What about to the neutral though? Goals, yeah, goal fests. Yeah, but the neutral doesn't. Does the neutral only appreciate goals? The neutral's no. not an idiot. No, but the neutral appreciates goals more. <laughs> Why? Because. That's what football's about, mate. I'm, what's what's better, a nil-nil, uh, you know, art of defending masterclass, or oh, a three yeah. or balls to the wall? No one can defend. It's all over nah, the shop. Mate, it's, it's about the three. Or, it's about the nil-nil, mate. Oh, you're it is all about. It is all about the nil-nil. Same, I, 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 and people are saying, you know, Klopp is a genius. Uh, one minute and then Klopp's an idiot the next. Um, I, I don't like <laughs> the way it swings between the two. Uh, Liverpool. I mean, Klopp has said, you know, you've got until the end of the season to impress me. If you don't impress, <laughs> then you're out. Well, I think that's who, fair enough. Who, who did impress then for, for, for Liverpool? Then? Firmino, Firmino obviously gets two impressed. goals. Uh, for me, you know, the first goal for Liverpool was poor defending or, or maybe uh, unfortunate positioning for Arsenal, but then good positioning for Liverpool. Um, I think overall Liverpool's pressing was very effective in the first half, but Arsenal managed to come back from that. I don't think it was a particularly good performance by Arsenal. I don't know if either of you thought it was particularly good, but I wasn't really very impressed by... I mean, I, I was impressed by the, the, the sort of quick play at times, but I wasn't really that impressed by the way that Arsenal put themselves about or uh, managed to compete with Liverpool in any way, because I, I don't think it was a particularly... Um, I, don't, I, just, I just wasn't all that impressed, even though it was a 3 all draw, to be honest. Strange. It was like Mesut Ozil... Didn't really, you know, that one moment of brilliant skill where he brought the ball down, but he was very anonymous in the game. I thought those moments where Arsenal could have broke very much like Manchester United and scored, you know, a number of goals on the counter attack. Firmino hit the bar, you know that. That was a cracking effort, that wasn't it? That's been yeah. I mean, his, yeah, that that effort, the, the goal is a uh, it's Ronaldinho esque. <laughs> you know, the space he's in. Backlift, yeah, yeah. You really, yeah, backlift, Dave. What a lovely word to. Backlift describes that one perfectly, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I worry about him taking his shirt off. I would have gone fucking ape shit at him at half time. Booked for that. But they just didn't take their chances. And I think that's, that could potentially cost Arsenal in the title race if they're not, um, you know, they're not taking the chances. There was a moment where Olivier Giroud should have scored in the first half, whether it yeah. was the first half, the ball went across. Mm. Like, fair enough, Giroud scored twice. Was that the comical one where he kicked it out of the goal almost? I don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, all he had to he do made was up let it hit him. him. He made up for it with a, with a fantastic finish later on, but but you've got to, like this is the thing. I think to win the league, you've got to have this winning mentality, and nobody's showing that. Like the, the cutthroat Ferguson years of all, they'd always score the goals when they needed to. You know, Man United yesterday didn't do that. Liverpool today didn't do that. Arsenal didn't do that. It's one of those things where it's just who's going to win this league? <laughs> is anyone going to win the league? Imagine you... if imagine if this season they they do it so no one wins the league. 
I mean, yeah, is it a draw? It's never been done before. It could happen. You can't um, win the league this season. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much. I mean, Arsenal. Arsenal were clearly, uh, you know, their, their defending was reasonable at times. It, it w- really wasn't fantastic football football from either side tonight. So I can't say I was particularly impressed. Less I quite like Joel winning. Campbell. Yeah, I thought, if anything, I think Joel Campbell and, and uh, Olivier Giroud were the, the two more impressive players in the game. Well, Real, I thought was really good. Like read the play excellently. Were covered back. It's nice um, that Joe Allen could get himself a memory while he's at the club. And obviously, Liverpool have, <laughs> um, have, have spoken this week a lot about goalkeepers and loanees. Obviously, Liverpool calling a lot of people back from loan, getting Corker in on loan, and then uh, calling back Ward from his loan, who is allegedly going to be the goalkeeper that will challenge mm. Mignolet for the number one spot. And looking at it right now, doesn't look like he's going to have to challenge all that much to be able to do that. <laughs> do you, th- you think Liverpool are going to be happier with that result then Lawrence? I'm not happy with it because I think they let a match where they could have bossed it much more slip Leicester though Dave winning unfortunately against Spurs seven minutes from time a Robert Hoof header it was a tight game um, kind of wish Harry Kane uh, would have put away that golden chance earlier but mm. you know Kasper Schmeichel did make an amazing save but in a game where maybe it was expected Spurs would sort of set out their their title credentials, their top four credentials. It was actually Leicester who ended up doing so. Now level at the top of the table with Arsenal. Good night for Leicester, Dave. Yeah, it's interesting. Both their, their two flyers, Jamie Vardy and Mahrez, probably didn't have the best of games between them. Uh, created zero chances, only two shots on goal between them. You're expecting them to be more involved in the game than that, you'd say. But you again, the performance levels before this game tonight would have been too exceptionally high, so you're expecting it to drop a little bit. But Spurs, it's an interesting one. Spurs are so close to being that team to challenge for the league, but it just seemed to come, you know, the banana skins. Maybe it's a mentality thing, Lawrence. What do you reckon? Oh, here we go. Adam, what, 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 why do you think uh, Spurs let it slip tonight? I just... Do you think they let it slip? <sighs> it was a tight game. It was a tight game. It, it, it could have gone either way. It just feels like this is what I've sort of been talking about for a while now where... Mentality. You know, not mentality. Yeah, yeah, uh, more, I think it's more tangible than that, personally. Because I think if there was a mentality problem, I think that's something that Pochettino has helped to, to eradicate away. I don't necessarily think it's mentality, but I think the squad we've got is not big enough and I think we're starting now to show uh, a little bit of fatigue because the, yeah. the way Pochettino plays, the way Spurs play every game, you know, they are, if not the top team, then certainly the top two or three, uh, distance covered every game. I think around this time, the same thing happened last season after the new year. It started to show a little bit that perhaps we didn't quite have the, the the strength and depth to cope with that. I think you see that when you've got Harry Kane, who's played pretty much every minute of the Premier League for us so far this season. When you're relying on him every single game to be running everywhere across the pitch, it, it, it will affect us. And I think that's why I never thought Spurs would be serious title contenders because this sort of thing is going to happen. We will drop points uh, to these sort of teams, uh, usually at home, unfortunately. But I think, you know, we've got a couple of games coming up now, important games. Um, I think we've got Palace away next, potentially. Um, The likes of Watford, um, the likes of Norwich, I believe. So (laughs) we need to start winning these sort of games if we can. Then maybe, you know, put us back in that title conversation. But 
I just I just don't buy it because results like this will come around every you know four or five games. At the same time, we've only lost three games all season, but I think as we've said before, Spurs don't have that cutting edge. We've drawn way too many games, and I think that's the difference between us and say Arsenal or or even Leicester. The fact season. is, guys, that that puts Leicester joint top of the table, just below Arsenal. Incredible. Uh, minus minus three down on them. Obviously, Leicester a plus 13 goal difference. So um, they're the team who really made a statement tonight. Uh, I, well, I guess so. But I, I don't know what statement they're still trying to make because I still think, you know, people say, well, well still, I mean, you know, the difference between them and Arsenal is Arsenal have people who would be considered to be the kind of people who uh, would go on to win the title because of their experience. Of course, but... Leicester had gone what five hours without scoring a goal in the league they'd yeah. lost one they'd drawn two in a row people were sort of talking of their demise to go to a team who are 100% top four contenders yeah. touted as title contenders and to win is so, a big achievement no? so, it's, so it's to challenge your perception this season because you know just when we thought it was safe to come out Jermaine Defoe went and scored a hat-trick for Sunderland and Leicester <laughs> are eight points clear of West Ham uh, not only that, they're 12 points clear of Liverpool. And mm. in the last 18 games, you know, if either of those teams want to get into the top four, that means they're going to need a minimum. I think West Ham need a minimum of, you know, a one point swing, mm. but Liverpool need a, a minimum of a, like a five point swing. I feel like no one is really able to put a, a run together of four or five games in a row, four or five victories in a row that can sort of set you apart. I mean, at the moment, the informed team in the Premier League is West Ham. As you mentioned, they won three on the spin now. Uh, I'm sure maybe Dave will have something to say about that. But uh, no one in the top four, five, six seems to be able to put any sort of run together that can bring them clear. I mean, we, as you, we're talking about West Ham, they're only a point behind Spurs, who are these apparent title contenders. Uh, Spurs themselves are only four behind Man City, who again dropped points tonight uh, against Everton. And they're only three points behind uh, Arsenal and Leicester. No one seems to be able to break away uh, in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and whether that is down to the, the lack of defending or, you know, we've talked about the issues before. It makes for an entertaining league, but perhaps not a league with the most quality in it. I, don't, I still don't see what the entertaining argument is, but yeah. It's but, interesting, isn't it? Man United especially, they can't put anything together at the moment. But do you not think the, the Anfield game, it was a classic tonight, surely. Anfield, uh, Liverpool v Arsenal, 3-0. The same last night will come to this, Dave. Manchester United, Newcastle. Brilliant, like, fantastically entertaining games, but perhaps not... There was perhaps a lot of mistakes quality. in the game, I think. Yeah, exactly. lacking real yeah, quality, lacking technical. structure, lacking... I don't know, like, lacking a manager to make a tactical change at the right sort of time, you know, bring on an extra defensive midfielder when Arsenal potentially were winning. They didn't make that move again because their squad doesn't have that at the moment due to injuries but it's one of those things where it's, it's ridiculous I think the especially with Man United the you know the decision making of some players in certain situations the the like sort of bipolar performances of Manchester United from yesterday was ridiculous Ander Herrera had a wonderful first half ran the show second half it just looked like he'd run out of steam it sort of felt like with a bit like Arsenal you know they played very very well Joel Campbell went off and they sort of lost their edge. Theo Walcott kept on going on those runs, not playing the pass at the right time. And it just seems like there's no sort of... It's like basically you've caught a bear or something and it's dying and you're going to eat it for dinner. Say you're in the woods, you're lost. The yeah. bear's in it on its absolute last legs. Go on. But you can't get it. It's just getting away from you. It keeps just getting away. It keeps like escaping and it's just frustrating. And eventually yeah. you're going to die. Have you just watched that? 
new Leonardo DiCaprio film by any chance? I don't know. No, okay, great. <laughs> about the enjoy, enjoy that one, Dave. Uh, I imagine that's <laughs> one out there for all Manchester United fans. <laughs> um, right, Dave, come on and let's talk a little bit about Manchester United. Um, obviously, Friel last night at St. Joseph's Park, 2 0 up uh, and, and contrived for it away. What did you make of the tactical approach to the game? Because I heard some people suggesting that you know, maybe Paul Skull's words had stung Louis Van Howe and he, he went and, you know, a bit more gung ho. Well, no, it was, it was more of that we let the opponents have the ball and let, uh, created space in behind them by sitting a bit deeper. It was similar to the best performance of the season away at Everton. It was a similar 4 four two zero, as you'd say, like the two strikers really getting in between the um, opposition centre-halves and midfield, really blocking that off. And it was really good. The low block worked so, so well. But again, Man United 2-0 up, then 2-1. They should have been 3-1 up. Um, you know, massive, massive chance they missed. And then obviously, um, sorry, Two, yeah, 2-1 two up, then they, they should have been 3-1 up, didn't take that chance, Newcastle equalised, then they took the lead then, Wayne Rooney with a brilliant goal, you know, credit, Wayne Rooney was excellent yesterday, I think 2016 could be Wayne Rooney's year, it's really weird how it's already come, he's already been directly involved in more goals in 2016 than the whole of the rest of the campaign combined, so he could really kick on now, but then going back to the old game state, Man United uh, take the 3-2 lead, they have so many chances on the break, Marouane Fellaini with from like, you know, four yards out with his head, misses a brilliant opportunity. Jess Lingard has the got whole goal to aim at and misses. United should have been 5-2 up, uh, you know, a point in the game. And they went over, you know, they ended up drawing the game. It's just it's ridiculous. Players have got to take their chances. And if they can't take their chances, they're not good for Manchester. They're not good enough for Manchester United if Manchester United want to be in the top four. And that's where it's getting to now. It's not even talking about winning the league. It's about getting into the top four. Because if you've got players like Jess Lingard that... Yes, they've been at United for a while, but they're just not good enough. They're not, you know, Jess Lingard's a player that's not developed physically enough. He doesn't really have an X factor. And when you've got someone like Memphis Depay on the bench, who is a wonderful talent, I just question why, you know, he's not playing every week. You know, Memphis isn't playing week in, week out. And a player like Jess Lingard and Marouane Fellaini is still at United. It's, it's just crazy. Mm. The recruitment of players over the last X amount of years has been stupid. Who just did? so it. Yesterday was, was even more frustrating than the nil-nils we've seen for me. The nil-nils that you can get them, okay. Um, you know, the team sit really deep away at Old Trafford. They defend, uh, you know, with a big, deep block of 10 players. Fair enough. But that one was open. It was an open game. And we could have killed yeah. the game so many opportunities and we didn't. Only one win in their last eight Premier League games, Manchester United, which is, uh, which is quite a stat. Um, only, only two points behind Spurs, though. So there you go. Um, who, we, we've seen a lot of rumours uh, now. City season is upon us, Dave. Uh, Manchester United need some signings perhaps to, to strengthen their, their hopes of reaching the top four. We've seen the likes of Felipe Anderson linked, but who, who's the one man you want to see them bring in in January then to help, help bolster the squad? I don't know. And I think, they, I think the really interesting thing there as well is if I was um, a, you know, a chief exec or whatever you want to call it, Edward Wood is, and you, your team's playing awful and there's no creativity in the side. And like you're saying, before January, they you know one, two, three, four, five, Six, so they've gone on a six game um, sort of where they haven't won. Why are you not, as soon as January the 1st comes around, why are you not saying, okay, well, we've bought this guy, this guy, and this guy, and they're here now, January the 1st? We're on the 13th of January and nothing's mm. happened. It's just one of those things where United massively need a centre back. I've said it like countless times in the summer we need a centre back. Daily Blind was so expo- exposed against Newcastle. You know, we need a quality centre back in there. We need a quality, um, you know, ball playing central midfielder. You know, Bastian Schweinsteiger has come in and been all right but the level of performance is still a little bit inconsistent his injuries have come in come mm. out I'd like to see you know at the moment Ross Barkley's in brilliant form if we can get Ross Barkley in that form he'd be brilliant at United I've already mentioned Mares, Mane 
or you know maybe even Van Dijk from Southampton he's come in and he's been brilliant why not just uh, take a bit of a gamble there play, pay a bit over the odds and get a centre-back that performed <laughs> this season in the Premier League and then obviously up front Wayne Rooney's been been sort of not pit in the back of the net but then his form has started to turn I think we need a right winger whether that's Felipe Anderson Mene whoever does this team need this short term low in order for the long term build I think that there needs to be more foundations I think that's I think that's mm. a very good point Lawrence I think that there, yeah potentially there needs to be a lull but if you're not going to be signing players that uh, you know around the age of Martial around the age of Memphis that can make these mistakes this season like the Martial header back to the goalkeeper at Stoke that cost them cost United the first goal you know let the players make the mistakes I don't care about that but get the young players into the club I think that's the biggest thing I think go on by John Stones we are partly I mean uh, what I would say about Manchester United is they are the the you know the 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 best marketer, the be- you know, the biggest, the best at doing this alongside Real Madrid. Anyone else? Has anyone else seen The Big Short? That mo- the new movie with Steve Carell and uh, you know, unfortunately not. Oh, it's a good, it's a good movie. It's about um, the financial collapse back in two thousand eight when everyone put their fingers in their ears and said, "No, no, don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen." Hmm. And everyone thought the good times would keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. What if Manchester United's business plan always requires good times? You keep making short-term uh, business decisions which keep you in relatively good times as opposed to taking the short-term pain so that the long-term is better for the club. And it seems if a lot of people have their fingers in their ears uh, because they don't want to have to acknowledge it because it would mean, you know, other fans get the better of you or, the, you know, the banter coming your way is terrible and, you know, that you couldn't, it was difficult to acknowledge that the club, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's short, if the short-term going down. I think... You just hit it on the nail on the head. That's what frustrates me the most is that it's so it looks so disorganised as a club. It looks like no one gives a you know a flying f about what's going on. Whether they're going to you know whether they are going to recruit someone that's going to be director of the academy. Whether they are going to go out there and build a new um, you know youth complex and really really sort of move on as a football club. You know, invest in a ladies team. I think that's pathetic. Why have we not got a ladies team yet? It's a big thing. You see all the other clubs in the Premier League doing that because it's the right thing to do at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to just do. And it just feels like United are just a, a commercial powerhouse and that's it. That's all they are right now. For me, that's their, their identity at the moment is that. Whereas the identity of Manchester United is developing young footballers and playing an attacking style and being close to the community and working with the community to progress the local area. And right now, it's a load of crap. Mm-hmm. But it does it's seem really, a lot like they what, like a lot of people. So frustrating. I, it does seem yeah. like there are a lot of people who don't necessarily want to educate the population, so they can continue mm. to to trade on that. Basically, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when we have something positive to say about Manchester United because uh, as much as I love passionate Dave, I do love the passionate Dave going in on Manchester United. Oh, it's going to be good to see it. I'm just upset, the podcast. I'm just upset, upset, mate. I'm just upset um, about it. Disappointed. Let's let's talk a little bit about the other results then briefly uh, in the Premier League uh, in these midweek fixtures. Chelsea dropping points again, two all at home to West Brom. Yeah. Now I believe 14th, still 14th in the table, uh, five points above the relegation zone. Yeah, uh, they're not going to get relegated. Uh, no. the, the, the players are all looking around at each other as if to say, what the hell was that? Um, and, you know, that, it, it, that's the I, You know, I didn't watch the Chelsea game tonight, so I, mm. I don't know how much I can comment on it, but it's not like they played one of the easier teams to play in the league tonight they mm. or last night. You know, they're playing a side who have been very difficult to, to play for quite some time now. And that mm. side got... Uh, Three points ahead of them as well. 
and that side got a goal from James McLean at the end. So, Big win, uh, Dave, for Southampton. An important win against Watford, 2-0. Uh, now up to 12 in the table. Uh, only four points. Oh, sorry, only two points, I should say, behind Watford, who, of course, won that incredible run just before Christmas, but now got lost three games in a row. Tough games, admittedly. Uh, Spurs, Manchester City, and now Southampton. Um, but that, that is a big one for Southampton, whose form has been all over the place this season. Absolutely, yeah. It's a massive, massive result. I think it's just probably going to turn following the FA Cup win, was it, this weekend? Mm. Um, you know, you look at the formation they set out, quite interesting, they play two left-backs. They played both Matt Target and Ryan Bertrand on the left-hand side. Maybe that's to give them a little bit more solidity on that side because they've been a bit leaky um, when it comes to conceding goals. Sado Mene, again, had a very positive game. Five shots on goal at the post. Another play, you know, every single... Mane, sorry, going to get killed by Mike Smalling again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mike, I apologise. Mane. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, his stock's rising and rising, isn't it? It's interesting that Shane Long's back in form as well. You know, Pele's... Mm. Pele, sorry, has been injured for a little bit, so it's good that... The burden of goal scoring's gone off there, but you're seeing Jordi Classy come into the side. I think he's going to be a very, very big player in the second half of the season for them. A very mm. decent defensive midfielder that can is very, very good on the ball. Quite, uh, you know, not very physical, but good on the ball. So it's it's interesting because I do thought I do think sorry, Ronald Koeman does get away with it a little bit as a coach with Southampton. I feel that Southampton <laughs> structure does sort of help him out a lot, but he's gone through this bad patch. And if he gets out on the other side, credit to him. Jermaine Defoe hat trick tonight. Boom. Four. Four that two. Sunderland against Swansea. against Swansea. That leave, does leave the bottom. I mean, Chelsea are almost the least interesting thing this season in the Premier League. Ooh. That's the best thing about it is Chelsea are actually really boring. Big Sam, Big Sam Aladici uh, working his magic over there. Mm. Big three points for Sunderland there. They're now one point behind Swansea. Uh, Equal still in 18 points for with Newcastle. And Newcastle <sighs> just bought John Joe. They've just bought, we'll come on to that, Lawrence. Don't you worry. I've got a little little note here about John Joe. Um, but yeah, a big win for Sunderland. And uh, Jermaine Defoe with the hat trick, as you said, he's proven a, bit, a good buy, Lawrence, because a lot of people were sort of writing that one off when he arrived. But he's been popping up with uh, quite a few goals this season. I think the, the stat doing rounds on Twitter is, you know, he's got more goals than the likes of Alexis Sanchez this season. Yes. Um, but, uh, I mean, what the hell does that mean? Um, <laughs> he's still got it mate he's well, of still course he, got it of course he saw something you know there, there were a lot of mistakes tonight from Swansea in their performance uh, mm-hmm. you know Jermaine Defoe returned from uh, the period in exile from the league essentially and uh, big you <laughs> know, hanging out with Drake wasn't he in, in, in Toronto yeah uh, running through the sixth and now you know they, <laughs> they could be up there as well although they're not because um, you know, they're down there in 18th uh, another good win for Stoke, Dave. 3-1 against Norwich, um, up to 7th now. Two points behind United. Um, things, things are looking good for Stoke, I'd say. You know, some impressive performances over Christmas. Do you think they can be pushing for the top four this season? Or do you think that sort of top 10 is maybe the limit for them? Yeah, I think it's the top 10 is the limit. But, the you, you know, we saw that they've had brilliant spells over, Chris, over Christmas. They beat United, obviously, but they've also been on the other side where they've not really clicked. Interesting, Napoli got two assists today. Maybe this is going to kickstart his Stoke career. Um, sort of old school Stoke in a way, Jossalou, Walters, and then a, you know, an own goal. Really t- really just ticking on. They've got a top goalkeeper. So they will be definitely be top half, but I just don't think they've got the quality to quite get to that next level. I think they do still need a few more signings to break into that next mm. you know bracket of teams. But Mark Hughes has done a fantastic job there. He's really good at sort of getting teams from the sort of, you know, your 14th, 
to 15th and then sort of getting them top half of the table. We've seen that before with Blackburn, for example. Why are you being disrespectful, Dave? Why why didn't you say uh, Mark Hughes, future Manchester United manager? Why are you being disrespectful, Dave? Because personally, I... Dave, that's so disrespectful. I feel it's very disrespectful, Dave. I can can disrespect him if I want, Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) I'm allowed to have my opinion. Very disrespectful. Um, How disrespectful that we don't speak of Mark... What a disrespectful piece of comments. I can't believe you're being so disrespectful. You're Kenny right, Dalgleish, what a manager. What a manager. So disrespectful. Manchester City, Lawrence, dropping points. Nil-nil against Everton. We did mention it earlier. 22 shots, but the man of the match was Tim Howard. Um, I saw a lot of City fans on Twitter sort of jumping to conclusions almost. that Bellerini needs to go. You know, this is unacceptable. Big opportunity to make up ground in the title race, but you know, not the end of the world. Or does it? Is it the end of the world? Is, what does this mean for City? A lot of people correlating Pellegrini needing to go with Pep Guardiola needing to come in. <laughs> yeah, the weird which, I mean, which looks like it's happening, of course, there, as we say. I mean, yeah, but there's been a lot of weird conversation. I mean, did Guardiola really need to make these statements at this point and then speak about how he's had a well, he's off, a from a number of clubs? Yeah, no, but well, yeah, but that's like letting the horse bolt and then going, "I'm so sorry." I am so sorry. And everyone's sort of going, well, the horse is halfway down the field, mate. It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm with you. It, it, I mean, you know, I think, I think everything else seems so calculating from him, mm. sort of uh, well thought out, and that was pretty poorly thought out. Um, even so, you'd imagine that actually City, I mean, Tim, you know, the only thing that Tim Howard didn't do tonight was save a penalty. And City did have a big penalty shot when John Stones brought down Raheem Sterling in the box. <sighs> Con- controversy yes well, controversy over that but, one. but um, I mean speaker controversial was Yaya Torre in the side tonight wasn't he dropped let me let me, let me check Yaya Good. Torre was in the no sorry was in the side um, <laughs> David, David, David Silva um, wasn't starting well, right yeah David right. Silva didn't start but all I'm saying is guys how can you have an ex uh, African player of the year who did oh, so well time after time that. And let's get on to that for a second, because it was ridiculous, some of the statements that he made in the press. For, for the uninformed, Yaya Torre lost out on, I believe it's the African Player of the Year award to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. <laughs> and perhaps was not the most graceful loser, Lawrence. Mm. Well, he think- came out with some interesting uh, statements afterwards. Um, <laughs> I believe he said it was a, a disgrace. It was one of the the, the least uh, offensive ways that you put it but yeah. why why would you react to that like he he knows because he is quite likely out, he is quite rightly outraged I think I mean do you think yeah because he has done very very well but so is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang <laughs> not, not, he's into, been voted not in 2015 yep. and mm. this is the thing it's, it's 2015 right you know Aubameyang was absolutely ridiculous in 2015 in terms yeah. of scoring goals you know, only Messi and Ronaldo scored more goals in Europe's top five leagues in a Bemian. Yaya Torre had a very, very poor 2015, only directly it's involved in eight goals. Fade, undignified way to, to react. His, his exact words were, I think uh, that's what makes the shame of Africa. To behave in this way is indecent. But what can we do? Uh, we Africans, we do not show that Africa is important to us. We give more priority to what's going on elsewhere than in our own continent. This is what is appalling. Not really for me to agree or disagree with him. Um, but. Yaya will look after himself and I'll let Africa look after itself. 
brilliant because like before it needed worry looking too much after. about Africa because Africa will be the first to let you down. Mm. Like what a ridiculous response! I'll tell you what, Yaya needs to chill out, doesn't he? Yeah. If you if you don't give him a cake or a bloody award, he yeah. Loses sorry, Yaya, you weren't very good last year. Here's your second place prize. I think it's slightly embarrassing to be honest. They should have uh, the complete wrong way to react. Bit of dignity, like you're saying, Dave. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang had a great year. Played very well. In the goal. Congratulate him. But, I, he know. deserves it definitely. I think we should give him the front three championship of 2015 for uh, you know coming Fine. into the scene like any good he can come back again oh come on yeah anyway the the, the other the other well, uh, well, I'm sorry, can we just one uh, fashion uh, footballers awards have fashion issues yeah yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> that team before we come on to that let's I think um, want to throw myself out the window that Let's discuss uh, briefly. Aston Villa actually won a game. They beat Crystal Palace. That was on Tuesday. Um, and as we mentioned, Bournemouth losing 3-1 to West Ham. Who are doing <laughs> Funny so, thing about that Villa game, sorry, just to jump in. Um, you know, Mika Richards went over to, uh, went over to the fans, obviously, yeah. <laughs> in the FA Cup and apologised. And then he got dropped the next game and they won. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Sorry. Oh, Just amused me. Maybe, maybe, maybe though, Dave, he took such charge of the situation that he, he actually went, No, you're right. We should drop me for the next game. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. he did. No, maybe he did. Oh, that would have been excellent. Well played, um, Mika. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there you go. That, <laughs> that was the, the Premier League. That was the Premier League uh, midweek games. In conclusion, great night, great week for Leicester. Uh, Premier League still all over the place and no one could defend. So it was uh, entertaining, maybe not for Lawrence McKenna, but for everyone else. Um, let's very quickly talk about a few done deals uh, in the transfer market. Done um, deal. Lawrence, Stephen Corker on done loan. Deal. Done deal. Six months. Done. Four. Six <laughs> months. Uh, yeah, so we've got Stephen Corker. Good, Good interim. Uh, you know, if... if uh, Striker. Hashtag Moneyball. <laughs> Good signing, though. Good interim signing, though. Yeah, and he played Solid. for Liverpool uh, against Arsenal uh, towards Came the end. Up. And Liverpool Came scored the goal front, when he was on the pitch. He's so is <laughs> Stephen Corker actually, you know, the change that Liverpool needed to to kickstart things in 2016, guys? I mean, signing of the season. I don't think it's too early at all to, to <laughs> What a corker of a signing. I think we're fully justified in saying that. Um, Dave Benick, a Fobay for Bournemouth. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> £10 million pounds for a... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Player that scored goals in the championship. <laughs> it, it's funny when I do it. it it's actually just creepy uh, when you guys do it. Uh, so, uh, what are you talking about? Dave's, Whoa, bro. Dave's was fantastic. <laughs> sure. Lawrence McKenna. Shut up. <laughs> oh, good. Can someone cut that out for gone. me? That's a good one. He is gone. Phoebe's a, a very good player at the championship level. Let's get back to the football and sort of messing about, lads. You know, very, it came from the Arsenal Youth Academy. Uh, 
sort of a quick forward, very, very good at getting the ball to feet. A little bit like the championship Sergio Aguero, I'd say. Scored nine goals this season. So is it, I think it'll be a good signing for Bournemouth. They've been lacking that pace yes. um, since the loss of uh, Callum Wilson at the start of the season where they sort of it really clicked with Bournemouth with Wilson up front. And they took a bit of time to get Josh King playing that position. Now they've got a phobie. They've got another option. Gary Goals, yeah. he's going to score them. <laughs> this Gary Goals plays for a lot of teams, doesn't he? He does that, Gary. He gets around, doesn't he? Lawrence, John Joe Shelby goes to Newcastle, £12 million. At first, I was a little bit surprised by this, but after the fact, it all sort of adds up. Swansea are desperate for a striker, £12 million to sort of get that guy in. They obviously don't want to be relegated before the, the TV, the, the bonanza of money that's coming in next season. So it does sort of make sense. Uh, and in a way, he's a player who sort of is out of favour, in a way. Uh, his, uh, his performance in the FA Cup at the weekend was obviously slated uh, by Swansea fans. His form has sort of gone off a cliff. Um, some talk that it's maybe the last chance for him to prove himself. I think he's um, in a, a saloon, club. isn't he, Adam? In many ways. <laughs> in many in ways, many he's ways. in the last chance saloon. Yes. Right. Would well, you believe that? You, you, you're in with that school of thought. Uh, well, I think obviously he, he needs... He needs time to be able to prove uh, his position at Newcastle, but I do think he's a quality. He's got a quality technique on him. I think a lot of people question his approach, um, and you know the way that he approaches the squad game and the football, and his overall um, demeanour within football. I guess, and I think Newcastle would hope that Steve McLaren can write that. I think there's a lot of good feeling towards John Joe Shelby because um, you know he's been at a couple of clubs where he's he's done very memorable things. So I, I, you know, I, I hope he does well, and I think he'll. He's, an, he's a good addition to their midfield in the sense of he's a figure and certainly a recognisable face that I think the fans can try and relate to. Hmm. I think he's a midfielder that lack him, right? You know, against United, I thought both their midfielders were rubbish. I thought Teote had absolute nightmare in front of the back four, and then Jack Colback. He's just not good enough for the Premier League, and I think someone like John Joe Shelby, someone that can distribute, someone that can that gets sort of gets the crowd up, has a crack at goal now and again. You know, against against Oxford, he had a few shots from distance. I think that's something Newcastle need. They when their fans are behind them, you see the lift that it gives the players, especially in that second half against United, gave them a massive lift, and they started playing very very well. If they get someone that can sort of a calming influence, you have got the likes of Moses Oko and uh, Wijnaldum that are a little bit headless chickeny when they're playing they're very like let's just get in there let's play really quickly John Joe can sort of start getting that creative influence in there slow it down spring some passes together and it probably will do very well for Stephen McLaren and Newcastle to be quite honest let's before we get on to the talking point, talking point I want to talk about Messi uh, and his place in the pantheon of all time greats but we probably should do a little bit of Ballon d'Or chat before that because of course as part of the the gala there was the FIFA Pro World 11 awards uh, as you mentioned there, Dave, um, the team—you're you're, not—you're not happy with the team. Is that what you're saying to me? You're not, you don't disagree? I don't believe it. Okay, let me let me just, let me just outline the team. I don't believe it. Who is who is making team. this team? Goalkeeper. My I think it was yeah. voted. Was it voted? It was voted. It's voted. Okay. By the, 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 well, yeah, by everyone. Players. Yeah. Do they watch football? Do they watch more than twenty thousand professional footballers? Consistent every other game of the week. Twenty thousand. Do they watch him on YouTube? Well, I mean, the passion is coming through once again. Sorry, Goalkeeper Manuel Neuer. You can't disagree with that, surely? No, no, that's cool. I, I, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Defenders, Thiago Silva, Sergio no. Ramos. Okay. No. Are you thinking the Be likes are Thiago Silva? Well, for, for what? <laughs> for playing in Liga? What did he do in the Champions League? Absolutely nothing. 
Gerard Piquet. Bugger all. Bugger all, Dave. Giardini. Benucci. Marcello and Danny Alves. Marcello. He was absolutely exposed in the Champions League. He was torn apart. But he is, but he is uh, also a, he's he's not a terrible player though. I mean, he has been about, he's been a bit of a leading light in terms of um, about Dave? in terms of the Real Madrid team, hasn't he? If, if yeah, but you've got Jordi Alba, you've got David Alabar, two players that have been excellent in 2015, that are better than have been better than Marcelo. Dave, what about midfield? We've got Iniesta, we've got Paul Pogba, and one Paul that, Pogba. One that, that's not even the one that caused the stir. Luka Modric was the one that caused a bit of a stir. His inclusion think, over the likes of, say, Sergio Busquets. But I think the Paul Pogba one's even worse. I think they're both as bad as each other. Oh, really? Pogba he's, he's absolutely. Gone, in the Champions League semi-final as well Carl had him absolutely you know <laughs> running around him he couldn't defend properly Juventus had to make a tactical they had to bring a substitute on because he was doing such a bad job well these people <laughs> just don't get it Luka Modric what's he done he done how nothing about, how about the uh, the forwards Neymar, Lionel Messi Cristiano Ronaldo are you, you going to go off on this one that's uh, alright oh, <laughs> right, the lads did well yeah. I'd go off on Cristiano Ronaldo mate but but to be fair, you know, Lawrence, Luis Suarez, should he be in the team? Probably, yeah. Because he's a good, he's a very, very good player this year, but he has to learn. You but got bite fight. people years ago and then be, <laughs> pretend to be reformed. And not only that, but there was... He's fighting there, bloody in the tunnel. What, yeah, the <laughs> fighting in the tunnel is a little bit uh, worrying. Apparently he sort of was shouting things at the Espanol players. Calling them filth and stuff. Jesus, I can imagine like like Suarez being like standing in the tunnel with Busquets and Piquet, being like scrappy dudes, you know, like with his fists. Well, uh, yeah, or, or like one of those. Little, yeah, exactly. Like one of those little terrier dogs that sort of when you're when you're walking past, he's sort of like. Ruff, 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 and you're sort of what like, were your thoughts on the uh, What were your thoughts on the uh, Pushgas Award, Lawrence? So over 1.6 million votes cast, three nominees. Uh, one being Wendell Lira who scored a pretty spectacular overhead kick. We also had Alessandro, Alessandro Florenzi's halfway line strike for Roma against uh, Barcelona. I, think uh, course, Florenzi, I did think Florenzi was pretty, good. Pretty exceptional goal. Um, also Messi's solo effort against uh, Athletic Bilbao. He sort of mazed through uh, about four or five players before slamming into the bottom corner. That would have got my vote, to be honest. But really? I only got that. Yeah, because... I that, the other goals were spectacular, but the messy goal had me on my feet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to not even bother talking about that. <laughs> but that was a, that, interesting. That was a public vote. 1.6 million votes cast. 46% going to, to Lira, 33 to Messi, and only 7% to Alessandro Ferenczi. I, uh, I just don't get it. I think I'm going to quit. That's a public <laughs> vote, though. That, that's the consensus. Think, what's the public thinking? The, the Lionel game? Messi goal is a piece of individual brilliance. From yeah, I like a bit of team. Yeah, but I mean, Dave, I mean, I just, the, the, there's another piece of individual brilliance in there and uh, a little bit more team brilliance there. Yeah, but I just think Lionel Messi should get that. That's just the goal of your lifetime, right? Right. I don't, I just don't get it. So there, <laughs> just don't get it. Shall we move on to the talking point? Then? Dave's disenchanted. I, I, th- I think I might quit. <laughs> okay. okay. So Lionel Messi won his fifth Ballon d'Or yeah. uh, incredible achievement Lawrence can't argue with him being being awarded the, the fifth no you can't no and he's, he's got some lovely boots to commemorate it as well As I like that. all white boots they love the Adidas boots go to, go to the front three dot com uh, hit Ooh. the blog and you can see a gallery of those new boots it's up Fantastic. as we record 
I love it. Um, Dave, you're also in agreement that Lionel Messi had to win the Ballon d'Or this year. Yeah, 100%. Best player in the world, wasn't he? So obviously, incredible achievements. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fifth Ballon d'Or, three Champions League we're talking about now, seven league titles. There's a lot of talk about how, Lawrence, this has cemented his place as the greatest of all time. This is the the crowning achievement. Never been done before. Yeah. I do think think he's the greatest player you think of he is time. wow i mean you've come out uh, you've 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 I've come out swinging you've come out swinging uh, but the um, only reason i have is because he you know the only thing that he hasn't won guys is the world cup and he was in a world cup how, final how big a hole do you think that world cup is on his cv though? i mean he said that he would trade all of his um all of his ballon doors for for one world cup but i think it's going to be very difficult for people to break his records all those kind of things and and he's actually a fantastic it's not like he is just a kind of a functional player it's Mm. also the beauty that goes with him and the intangible ish side which is backed up by the stats and it's also the fact he he may also be playing in the greatest football team that we've seen to date very true over the past decade as well Um, what about the Premier League Dave because a lot of people say, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo's done it in the Premier League. He's done it in La Liga. Messi, he's only done it in, in Barcelona, the best team in the world. He, of course, hasn't done it in a weight when he died in Stoke. Does that really matter? Because he's proven himself against the very best Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, every other week in the Champions League. Maybe he needs to join Stoke, right? I mean, he won't have to do Yeah. Does that, does that prove anything? Say if, for example, in some crazy parallel world where I guess technically... He, he is joining Stoke, if you believe uh, you know, yes. those theories. Uh, does that mean anything? If, no, if you really. joined Stoke and you know, led them me, to the, the top four finish? The biggest measure at the mo- moment, like, you know, in terms of performance, is the Champions League. It's, it's more than the World Cup. I, I think that it's, just a, it's the tournament that's at the creme de la creme at the moment just because of the money in the game. And I feel that you know, the amount of times, the, the, go back to the finals that he sort of won, the, game, the one against United was best player on the pitch in the first one best player on the pitch in the second one against Juventus was probably the best player on the pitch. That is, that is mm. massive. In the final of the World Cup, you know, that's the only sort of like um, sort of tarnishing of his career, you'd say. Well, he didn't have the best game um, against Germany, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. But he carried them to there. He carried them to the final. He really did. He, we forget that he, his individual brilliance sort of got them there. And the maybe he might, did run out yeah. a little bit of steam. Yeah, but the point. Yeah, exactly. The point there. That's what be, I'm saying. Yeah, you know, if if you don't if you don't do it, if you don't go all the way, then does that cap it off? And the only problem with most yeah. people is the Maradona esque. I mean, yeah, people seem to say, you know he's he's not Maradona, or uh, they seem to have a problem with him not being Maradona. Yes, and, but then I'd say Maradona. You know, Maradona had a different kind of career. He had a very different kind of career to Maradona. I mean, well, thing, Messi's the- that clean living kind of, uh, <laughs> at least publicly. Clean li- and I, I'm not implying anything about it. At least publicly well, clean living guy, um, you know, hasn't done anything anything wrong. And, Maradona you know, certainly wasn't. Maradona, <laughs> yeah, Maradona was not that, and he was quite but, the opposite. But they, they both sort of, you know, there's a summary in both of them, and something that sums up something really good there. I, I feel like the, the Maradona argument that you know he dragged almost single handedly this average Argentina team to the World Cup. He dragged an average Napoli team to the next level. It feels like a harsh stick to be messy with because he is in this incredible team, this generation of players at Barcelona. But you look at Maradona and his, his peak was so short. 
and you look at Messi, who's exactly. done it consistently in these incredible competitions, like you know the World Cup, as Dave says, there last year. Well, we're talking uh, 2014 now. Uh, the Champions League every week, the Liga every week, and over such a period of time, surely that means you, you, Messi is or has achieved a lot more than Maradona did, even though the World Cup's the peak of the game. Yeah, I think so. Well, you look at the goals again. Uh, Maradona uh, only scored over 20 goals twice in his career um, in Europe, whereas Lionel Messi has scored over 37 times. And in, in many of those Jesus. seasons, he's gone over 50, 60 goals. So it's one of those things where I just think Lionel Messi, in terms of goal scoring, was a lot better better than Maradona. Then the other thing, Messi's peaked for... How many years has Messi been in peak now for? Since he was about 23? He's now yeah, 28, four, so he's been peaking years, for yeah. five years. I mean, even before, before that, that, even before that, that, he was still a fantastic player. It's not like he was a bad player and then suddenly got mm. good. Mm. There was that talk uh, at the end of 2014 about how maybe injuries had taken their toll and maybe we'd seen the best of Messi. We, we, we've seen the absolute peak. But then in 2015, he came straight back and was obviously showed the sort of Formula 1 in this Ballon d'Or. Yeah, um, the point that goes with that is probably there that we thought we thought that that was the best that he could get. I think that's the best thing about it, right? You know, he's evolved so much. You know, winger, false nine, now a wide playmaker that goes into the number 10 slot that plays through balls, that plays one two, scores goals. What's he going to do next? You know, he's probably going to become a number 10 that sort of the team will be about, built around defending and he'll, you know, play on the counter-attack, more of an ongoing, like an old-school Raquel May-type player that just sits there, they get the ball to him and he'll make things happen. I don't feel Messi's going to lose a lot with his, like, loss of pace because I think his agility is always going to be there. You mm-hmm. know, you look at the likes of Ronaldinho, Kaká, they were very, 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 very good at beating their man one-on-one when they had that yard of pace. And as soon as that pace went, we saw a massive decline of the player. I just don't think that with Lionel Messi because technically, you know, he's that good. Technically, he can find a pass. Technically, he can, you know, his shooting ability is ridiculous. Just one of those things where I just can't see when he's going to fall. And mm. if he stays at Barcelona, he stays, you know, in living you know, with his wife, a very quiet sort of lifestyle where he does just live to play football. Just going to be so interesting. I don't know if we're ever going to see anyone like that, right? You know, the player that's sort of maybe has a little bit of, you know, social difficulty in a way. You know, you see the videos of him cycling around his um garden on his kid's scooter a little bit odd but that's where you get the brilliance of people right they mm. may be a little bit lacking somewhere but then on the football pitch he's, he's amazing and I think we just like I need to watch Barcelona more I think all the listeners need to watch Barcelona more you two need to watch more Barcelona just so we can right, take mate. in his brilliance <laughs> we've all got lies Dave yeah. Well, yeah. Right, I watch them more. Jeez. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, Lauren, she can't talk about that. I'm actually about talking about Ronaldo. Um, it, it seems to. You can. <laughs> you can, but we won't. <laughs> uh, it seems to have almost, for a lot of people, put this debate to bed almost that, you know, although Ronaldo is one of the greatest of all time, Messi is perhaps the greatest. You know, obviously, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible now, for Ronaldo to, to match Lionel Messi's Ballon d'Or hole. You can debate about how much the Ballon d'Or means. It obviously means a lot to, to Ronaldo himself. Where for you does Ronaldo place against the likes of Maradona, Messi, Pele? Uh, it's a very different kind of Is player. he in the conversation? He looks a lot more uh, cognizant of what he's doing, if that makes sense. Mm. So he looks a lot more conscious of it. Uh, whereas the other guys look a little bit more like it's just sort of flowing out. So he, they sort of have this movement with it. His look looks more constructed. But I feel like we're having the same conversation a few years ago, and this has been going on for such a long time now. Um, 
it, to me, it doesn't really matter if he's the best player of all time, if any of them are the best players of all time. They mm. are they're wonderful footballers. And I think within... Well, I think the thing that maybe lets Ronaldo down is he made. I think he made the wrong career decision. He went to yeah, Real Madrid. That's, that's very interesting oh, point. I've heard Dave say that many a time before. That perhaps yeah. his career has actually been held back by making that dream move. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's like you sort of have a player that develops. Well, you go to a club that develops you so much in a way. You know, like similar to what um, Barcelona did for Lionel Messi. You know, with the hormones bringing him over, taking care of his family, and so forth. Ronaldo was made at Manchester United um, and I feel if he'd stayed at Manchester United the accolades that he would have won the trophies he would have won would have been a lot more because the team would have been built around Ronaldo and he would have been the main man his ego would have been massaged to a, to enough of an extent where he still would have had this Ferguson father figure there that would have kept him grounded I feel like this move to Real Madrid just inflated his ego so so big and he stopped doing the things that made Ronaldo so good at Manchester United picking the ball up the running at players he he started developing into a, you know, a goal scorer, a poaching winger that sort of gets into the penalty area. Before it was all about getting the ball to Ronaldo, then Ronaldo goes. And it's quite interesting to see his career develop. Whether that would have happened at Manchester United, mm. whether he would have, his um, progression would have gone the same way, I feel, I feel it wouldn't have done. I feel he still would have played on the wing for Manchester United, not been, you know, this whole, on a pedestal in a way. It's interesting. It, sorry, go Goals, on. right? It's just, I think that it's, it's become, it has for Ronaldo, it's become more about the personal accolades and he's forgotten mm. how to play in a team. I, th- I don't know if, I, again though, I think we're applying our analysis of uh, an individual as a group. I think the, the sometimes we also get lost in that. So the other day when we were talking about who's the greatest player of all time, people sort of spoke about he's an ego, he's got an arrogance, all these kind of things. I just feel like that it almost misses the point a little bit with what Ronaldo has actually achieved, which is to, I've said a lot of times, almost Jordan-esque kind of a kind of career where he's very much worked, worked very hard to get to where he is. I'm not saying that Messi hasn't, but I feel like the, the implied nature of what he's doing, which is that it all comes naturally to him. And then suddenly as if he takes it very lightly, um, it is a bit unfair on him. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I don't know. Like, obviously, he has put this massive work in, but you know, Ronaldo, the progression of Ronaldo from say 2004 to 2006, you'd say when he started really kicking on, scoring goals and so forth. I don't know if we saw that next jump up. Obviously, it's a lot. It's it's, it's 20 times harder to go from um, a very skinny, silky winger to being a goal-scoring machine. Like, where do you go next? Whereas, I think that's where Lionel Messi's done a lot better is he's progressed in a way where he's got better. Do you see what I mean? Like, the, the Ronaldo yeah, curve seems to be like it's peaked and it's potentially not going over the edge, but it's, it's just flatlined. Whereas Messi's had like a stag, like, gone up and then it's potentially flatlined for a bit, then it's gone up again and then gone up again. What is really interesting is that this could be the last generation where we'll see a footballer like this. So, you know, the, the, the generation with, um, you know, Maradona, Pele, those kind of guys. It, it, that was the last generation we could see a footballer like that. This is the last generation we can see a footballer like this. And I wonder what the next generation's construction of a footballer think, is going to be like. Do you think that's the difficulty in comparing, you know, Messi and Ronaldo, who obviously, as Dave said, we get to see week in, week out. Is it, can we really compare them with that different generation? You know, we're talking about Mar- Maradona before him, Pele, the likes of, you know, Beckenbauer, maybe, Di Stefano. 
I mean, they're even relatively compare, yes. But I think that, you know, there's very few people who kind of put a scale together to actually sort of compare these mm. guys. Because you almost need to add, I mean, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, add football inflation, don't you? Yeah. Is it even possible in the fact that, you know, we're all 20-something guys, we never watched Pele live, obviously, unless you've, you've hopped in your time travel machine. Um, Maradona as well, we can't really, it's difficult to compare them. The only thing we seem to be able to compare them on is obviously the stats and their honours and what they achieved in the game. What would Not be, necessarily on the nuance of the, them actually on the pitch. But a wonderful that, touch, those kind of things. That, I mean, you know, those... But the, it's such fine lines as to how you construct that as a career. Because, you know, there are so many players with a good touch. Hatim Ben Arfa has got an incredible touch. You know, there's other players out there with... If, if they were surrounded... <laughs> I just like the fact he was mentioned in a general chat about all-time greatest. Not that you're saying he is. It's just, uh, I like it. I mean, he's one of the all-time greatest uh, could have been, you know? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Probably is one of the all-time greatest could have been. I mean, you look that at that. that you, well, yeah, it is. But then it, it, he also sort of belongs in this conversation a little bit. Because mm. I think he, you know, it shows how well Ronaldo and Messi have done mm. as well. It, you know, there's a full scale of footballer there. And Messi what? and Ronaldo sit at the, uh, uh, on this scale at the top. What about um, Pele, uh, Dave? Obviously, I have to give him a mention. Scored, reportedly scored, you know, 1,200-odd <laughs> goals in his career. Three World Cups, of course, but maybe never did it at the, the, the highest stage in club football. Yeah, I think that was the thing, wasn't it, at Santos, obviously. They're really interesting, though. You know, that Santos team used to tour the world playing football. Imagine how cool that would have been in the sort of like the 60s. That would have been brilliant. Like, but going back to globe, globe yeah, it's, it's, so, it's such a cool like thought that, like, yeah, they... That Santos would come over to England and play, have a kickabout at Leicester City. For like I feel like Florentino play. Perez should do that. <laughs> yeah, he should do, shouldn't he? Take Real Madrid to the next level because touring the world. No, no, I just mean Florentino Perez should just fuck off and tour the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad point. Yeah. I think, again, Pele was another player that was you know, brilliant, scored, you know, youngest player ever to score a hat trick at the World Cup, 17 years old in a semi final. And then he got the best player in the 1970 World Cup. So he, his, his longevity was probably similar to Messi Ronaldo in a way, you know, more than, more so than of, you'd say, Maradona that could have peaked a bit. But it's just, again, that you've got to look, go back and watch him. Really interesting that he played, obviously, with a heavier ball with not the same type of boots mm, in not very good conditions. Point. Yeah, he still had that ability to, the goal that obviously everyone knows chipped over the head in the volley. It's just incredible. It's really incredible that players can do that with the ball. It'd just be really good to see these players at the same time, right? You know, yeah. Messi go back yeah. there, they come here. That's what I think is interesting. The, the we need context. one of the listeners to build a time machine. Then we can go yes. and do this, right? Guys, let's all get together. Let's crowdfund a, a time machine. <laughs> it's feasible. Um, so I think obviously we're all biased. Um, oh, we see it as, you know, we, we watch Messi week in, week out, but I assume we're all on the same page. Messi, for us, is the greatest. And it's a privilege to watch him every single week. So who? Uh, who's going to agree with us? And who are people putting forward as the greatest of the past? And also, yes. the greatest of the next generation. Oh, that is a great, great discussion. Do you John think, Joe just to, to, to cap it off then, do you think, we talked about there about how Messi may be at the <laughs> peak, but do you think, uh, obviously, Ronaldo's 30, could be leaving Real Madrid this summer looking likely um, to, to pay away for the next generation. Messi, though, obviously going to stay at Barcelona, we assume. Yeah. Maybe, maybe got another two, three years left in him at the peak, you would hope. I reckon we, it'll be longer. See longer. Yeah, I reckon it'll be longer. I reckon it'll think, be 35 and he'll still be incredible. Geez. And you, you th Do you think he's bowed, uh, nailed on for the Ballon d'Or next year or do you think Neymar now, the likes of uh, you know, Gareth Bale maybe could get closer? 
Ah, it's messy again, mate. Messy again. You heard it here first. Barring any injuries. Do, yes. I do also think, though, what what, me- what Messi can do for his next generation, which is something that maybe Ronaldo or those other guys haven't quite gotten through yet. And I think, again, this is probably why this is that part of the, this generation of footballers, is um, sort of pass on that legacy in a sense or part you know again Michael Jordan did that very well in the NBA sort of like you know uh, pretending that you know he was the elder statesman almost and the NBA managed that very well I don't feel like football manages aging so well they don't make it possible to almost age elegantly sometimes it's quite brutal I understand it's the same in other sports but you know when you look at the the tour that Kobe Bryant's on at the moment in um, in America and basically just going around playing a load of uh, you know, games where he gets cheered every time. I just, I wonder what what's going to happen uh, come the end of Ronaldo and Messi's careers, and oh, what their legacy is going to be. What the, what's the legacy? That's a good question, actually. Mm. What's the legacy of, of Ronaldo? And what's the legacy of Messi? It's going to be going to be fascinating to see. I think I think it's going to be shaped by a lot of what happens in the next two years or so, when Ronaldo moves on, what he can achieve elsewhere, and what if if Messi can still keep up this incredible. Uh, you know achievements with Barcelona but we shall see anyway uh, guys let us know what you think on Twitter at the front three and uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions your thoughts your questions we always pose especially. more questions than we answer I just feel like this podcast is just a series of us going but I like yeah, it I want people to get if, in touch and tell us what yeah but do. what if yeah but <laughs> yeah. what if visionaries. can play football hmm. well, well that's a question for the, the viewers isn't it or the listeners or the channel to get in the qu- would you most like to <laughs> see play football didn't you say yeah would be the best the top hat the cap you know also who would be the top cat which um, <laughs> which, also which footballer is which animal uh, <laughs> spirit, animal. Like spirit animal we've done spirit animals but I'm saying like which footballer would literally be which animal you know did we do which which footballer is your spirit animal have yeah. we already done that and we, yeah we did do that and I said Jabba Alonso <laughs> my memory is terrible Dave, Dave anyway, said listen. for some weird reason John Matip I don't know why. I don't <laughs> no, know. I did not say Joel Matip. That's well, such right. a weird answer, Dave. I'm just say Joel Matip, to be honest. The, the player that everyone's only seen like two seconds of on YouTube, <laughs> but yet he's going to be the next best oh. thing at the centre-back of Liverpool. My spirit enemy, uh, I'm always John Joe Shelby. I've decided as of now. Fucking journeyman who never quite achieves it. Here he goes. <laughs> on that note. And I think um, John Joe Shelby's got half a million subs, mate. Saturday. Oh. Saturday, guys is the 50th front free. Bloody hell. Q&A bonanza, Q&A special. Come celebrate with us. Come celebrate uh, the 50th episode. Send us your questions. Send us your thoughts. Send us your reviews on iTunes. That'll be a lovely 50th episode presence. That is a, that is a re- yeah, please, if you haven't, we did have a great Don't review wait. last week from, uh, I, I should, uh, Give a, a props to uh, Robert five nine three. Thank you for your your great review on iTunes. Simply amazing, he said. Uh, the first the opening sentence was, "This is undoubtedly the best football podcast ever." Brilliant. Oh, it's uh, big words, but uh, thank you very much, Robert, for your kind words. If you want to leave us an iTunes review, that'd be much appreciated. Give us a little rating as well. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Of course, the fiftieth episode is is the main one you don't want to miss. Uh, until then. Lawrence, the good people can find you where? <laughs> what a neat transition. So, oh, so you never miss an episode. Of course, the 50th, the 50th episode is the one you coming. really don't want to miss. Yeah. It's late. It's half 11. It is half <laughs> 11. No, you're right. Um, uh, where, where, where can the good people find you? 
you can find me on the Football Republic. You can also find me at uh, front3.com. You can find me on Twitter at Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. And Dave, if people want to see review every Manchester United game, what YouTube channel would they go to? Oh, it is brilliant. Well, Anna Thomas, with the greatest suggestion of all time, the GOAT suggestion, um, Dave Talks. <laughs> Hyperbole. It's been, re- it's been rebranded. Dave Talks. And it is available on thefront3.com on the blog. I'm going to be posting all of them up there if you want to stay Ooh. in touch. How many subs do you have, Dave? Dave, how um, many subs do you I think it's like 2,400. So thanks yeah, for all the subs. That's pretty good for a, for a little channel. That's really Fantastic, good. Dave. Yeah. Well and also, I have, I have um, downloaded Premiere, so the quality of the production should, should improve. Brilliant, Dave. That Dave. Isn't, that's a business yeah. reference there that very few people are going to get, but fantastic, Dave. Thank you. Dave, did you, know Dave talks, did you call the Dave Talks keep it open-ended? So, it, you know, it might be Dave Talks yeah. movies one week. You know, be anything, yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave Talks, talks food. Oh, can you do Dave Talks dot, dot, dot? I think that would work. Oh, I like it a like lot. Mystery. So, like, yeah, you don't know what, what, what is he going to talk about? Yeah. Dave talks, and yeah. it's a little bit like Dear, Dear Deirdre. Oh, Dear Dave would be a very good format. Oh my god, that'd be yes. very funny. <laughs> let's, say, let's save that for the Front Freeze YouTube channel. Uh, on that note, thank you very much <laughs> yeah, for listening. We'll see you after that. Thank you very much <laughs> for listening. We'll be back on Saturday. Whoa, Until Adam, then. where do they find you? Oh, good question. Oh, you can find it at Adam Talks. Oh, no. Adam Talks, <laughs> the rival. Dear Adam. <laughs> no, the, the Football Republic. Talk. Or Adam Ward on Twitter. Please come and say. What was the Football Republic before it was a republic? Um, it was just a plot of land, Dave. If it's anything like Star Wars, it was an empire, a football empire. So it will oh. become that. Uh, well, yeah, but then, yeah, it depends which way you look at it. Yeah. It's late. <laughs> Adam's not up for jokes now. Time to end the podcast, everyone. My brain is struggling to process the, the, the <laughs> hilarity going if a, uh, if a land is not a republic, what is it? Oh, I can't be fucked. See you later, guys. <laughs> so we shut up. You bump it. <laughs> Goodbye. See you on Saturday. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I am going to bed. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.